Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. It's so funny. It's random, but someone left a cat tree. I think if you watch our videos, someone left that. It was in a box outside the door. I'm like, ooh, what do we get? I got inside. Oh, it was really cool. Of course, I had so much help putting it together. Every cat in the building was like, ooh, leaves and a box and little moving things. And I'm going, oh, man, I'm going to be missing parts, but let's go for it. And we did. And I would have thought, being that there's like astroturf on the bottom and leaves and all this stuff, I would have thought for sure I'd have someone peeing on it or them eating the leaves off of it. They have taken such good care of this tree. I'm so proud of them. They lay in and look out the window at the peacock that comes and they love that tree. And someone else left. I showed up the other day and there were two, the best I can describe them as donuts. And they look like they're made out of like wool wool or felt or something and they're round and it's, they're hollow. So a cat can go inside the donut or, you know, go in there or they can lay on top of it. My God, those are awesome. Those I, I have never seen that, either one of them, not occupied. Someone is always using those things. So, of course, all the volunteers are like, where can we get one? We want one now for at home for our cats. Of course, I researched them. They're like $50, but now I just found them for $17 on Amazon. So, of course, I had to order that right away for my, you know, the seniors at my house. You were listening to Marnie, Executive Director of Helping Paws Animal Sanctuary. She was speaking about gifts that were left for the kitties at her rescue in St. James City. The sanctuary has an average of 120 cats, kittens, and special needs kitties. It is an all-volunteer, no-kill rescue, providing a wonderful home for the kitties in rooms, not cages, waited on by loving volunteers as they find them a new forever home. And now, here's Marnie. Thank you, Marnie, for coming. My pleasure. We, we appreciate you being here and especially want to thank you for saving all those kitties. I know that your sanctuary's been over helping pause sanctuary. Our animal sanctuary has been in existence for over 13 years. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it seems like just yesterday when I was getting permits and opening up the place and, you know, time passes so fast and I've learned so much along the way, but we average about 200 adoptions a year somewhere in there well we I shouldn't say adoptions but we do take in about 200 cats a year and we try to make you know do about the same in adoptions so over 13 years that's a lot of kitties we've worked with well let's learn about you we just learned you're from our state too we're all from Wisconsin all cheeseheads and um let's start there okay growing up in Wisconsin what you did there and how you ended up in Florida Well, you know, it's funny because if you would have asked me back then what I was, you know, was I destined to do this? I think when you're a kid, everybody's like, oh, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to open up an animal shelter. Don't we all (laughs) say things like that? And, you know, pipe dreams. And, you know, I started out as a graphic designer. I owned a temporary staffing business for a while. I mean, I did all kinds of stuff. And 
contract work for for uh, Harley Davidson. I mean, all kinds of different things. And then um, my business partner and I, we were just stuck with the business. It wasn't, you know, we just couldn't get, times were really hard. And I mean, I needed to change and uh, we needed to sell the business and split and go our own separate ways and stuff like that. And I was tired of the snow. That was really the gist of it. I mean, <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> so it was kind of like literally took a dart through the map, through it, <laughs> ended up in Cape Coral. That is literally how I got here. Oh my God. We gosh. came down here on vacation, my mom and I, and put an offer on house because she's like, if you're going, so am I. I'm taking early retirement. So. Yeah. So your mom came with you. Yeah, she had uh, MS, so oh. I was kind of her caregiver also as well. So she, we both came down here, and uh, so right away, naturally, you stick with what you know. And I started up with the graphic design again, and worked at the Breeze for a while. I worked at the News Press for eight years, and got laid off from there. Mm -hmm. And the week before I got laid off, a stray cat had shown up at at the door of the News Press. Well, of course. I'm going to do something about it. So I did. I picked, took him in and took him to the vent. And everything turned out he had leukemia. Oh. And I tried to find, a, you know, I had other cats and they are contagious. And I'm like, well, what do you do with a cat that has leukemia? And, you know, they were telling me to put it down. And I'm, I'm attached. I'm not putting this cat down. Um, but I always, and I would just remember sitting there. I had a spare bedroom. I put him in there. And I just remember patting him and going, you know, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to start a shelter that takes leukemia cats. Well, lo and behold, you know, not even two weeks later, I get laid off of work. And I'm like, well, really, soul searching time. Do I want to continue doing this graphic design stuff? Or why don't I do something I really want to do with my life? And I'm like, I want to start a shelter. But, you know, I've owned businesses before. I knew what the commitment involved. You know, you don't get holidays and stuff like that. You work 24-7 when you're a business owner. And I don't think a lot of people realize what kind of uh, commitment that is. And I'm, do I really want to do all that again? I, I kind of was viewing Florida as my retirement early um, just because of all the nightmares of owning a business. And just it was such a relief to just work for somebody else and not have all that headache. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to start this up again? But I looked at that cat and I'm like, oh, why not? So I cashed in all my retirement, started looking for land, got all my logos done, filed all the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing I know, I've got healthy paws and it's 13 years later. Oh, that was gutsy, cashing in your retirement. Um, Probably, but I've always been that way. If there's something I want to do, I'm going to do it and mm -hmm. just worry about the consequences later. And I know that's probably extremely stupid, but things have a way of working out for me. I mean, maybe that sounds kind of arrogant, but that's how I always feel like things are meant to be if things fall into place. And it's been that way with helping cause. If There's been days, where, especially when we first started, where we were broke. And I'm like, man, I need litter. How am I going to afford litter? I'll show up at the door of shelter and there'll be a pallet of litter out front. <laughs> and it's just always been that way. And that's how I know I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there'll be a time when I'll be broke as anything and going, why did I cash in my retirement? But, you know, that's a problem. I could die tomorrow. And then, you know. So maybe that won't be a problem. In the meantime, I'll have done all this and, you know, have a lot to show for it. Well, at least you didn't have to outsource a graphics designer to get the business <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that, that's...
that skill comes in handy. And, you know, I've got a journalism, you know, background Mm -hmm. and everything too. So I did a lot with newsletters and stuff like that. But, you know, the demands of owning the shelter, I mean, I do the book work. I do all the behind the scenes stuff. I'm there just about every day taking care of the cats and Mm -hmm. and doing all the stuff behind the scenes. So things like newsletters and stuff became a luxury. Mm -hmm. And when we first started, we had this cat named Peter Dragon, and he was just, he was my muse. (laughs) He, we did, I did most of the newsletter from his perspective. He was my ace reporter. You know, you channel these. (laughs) Everybody does it. You have an animal, and the next thing you know, you're having conversations with them, and you're talking in their voice, and you're answering yourself, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm crazy. Did you name him Peter Dragon? No, he came in named that way. He he dragged his back feet. Oh, Peter Peter Dragon. Dragon. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, without the without the background, it probably is. You're like, what? Uh, graphic design, video editing, audio editing. There's a whole slew of things now that were studio-based, big business, corporate jobs. Even photography. I know there was a big, and I'm terrible on time, 10, 15 years ago, every newspaper had photographers. They let them all go. And now what they do is they just source them from freelancers or you know, the business environment is really, really changing where those, it's not that those skills are unvalued, but when things got tight in the economy, it seemed like those were some of the first jobs that were. Well, nowadays, everyone's a photographer. We all have phone, you know, cameras on our phones and Mm -hmm. digital photography. Just a normal person can be walking down the street, catch the right picture and they can sell it. I mean, you don't need to be and I feel sorry for the people that really love photography and they made that their vocation because there isn't the jobs for it anymore. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? I mean, that's kind of true of just about all businesses right now. You go to McDonald's and they have kiosks there. So, you know, those jobs are going to be gone too. Yeah, the tolls are automated versus toll takers exactly. and so forth from when we grew up. Uh, before we leave your background too much, uh, pets that you were growing up, how many, what kind, et cetera. So if you seem to have a sincere love of animals. Oh, that's that. And it probably got seeded many, many years ago. Well, I, I think the first first animal we had was a cat. She was a grouchy thing that nobody <laughs> could touch, but yeah. she slept in my crib with me. So uh-huh. I think that had something to do with it. Maybe I got cat love by osmosis or something. But if I went to pet her during the day, I mean, I was a toddler. She'd, sm- you know, she'd scratch me and my mom used to be like, oh no, she's going to go to the doctor, child abuse, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't care. I love that cat. And, you know, my aunt and uncle, they had Cats and dogs, German, uh, not German Shepherd, big golden retriever, mm. little, little lip yip yip dog. It was just they were. I was always surrounded, cats and dogs. But then, of course, you know, I went through my fish phase and my gerbil phase, and you know, it, it, I found it. It was like mine. You have to have it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah. So you're an animal lover right. through and through, and that's kind of why I named it Helping Paws Animal Sanctuary, because the original goal was to take all kinds of animals, but. The reality is when you're on rent, it's not fair to be take a dog in when there's no place for them to run or to go potty. So, you know, my goal is to someday get some land out here, build a new facility and be able to help all kinds of animals. And we had chickens show up last year and I named them Bert and Ernie and I fell in love with them. And then I think I maybe either overfed them or the coyotes got them. I'm not sure because they disappeared one at a time. I don't know much about chickens. I just know food (laughs) is love and (laughs) 
what yeah. you did. Could have been the coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now we have a peacock that shows up every night. So I buy her birds feed and give her grapes and things <laughs> oh, wow. like that. That's fabulous. It's funny because the cats look out the window at her and they're like, I can just picture the comic, you know, above their heads yeah. up to roast turkey dinner. Like, ooh, <laughs> tastes like chicken. Well, what made you pick Pine Island? Um, I live in the Cape. So okay. originally, I will confess, I looked around for, you know, rental, you know, places out there. The rent was astronomical. They were, they were tiny. It wasn't air conditioned. And so I drove out to Pine Island one day and just started looking around. And my zoning is limited to, you know, either commercial or industrial or commercial agricultural. Mm-hmm. So I came out to the industrial park, which is where we are. And I saw the building that we are in and, and it was for rent. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how much. And. I called the landlord and he's like 900 bucks. And I'm like, I can do that. And he's a wonderful man. And he has been so good to me since we we moved Mm -hmm. in and completely supportive. And the next thing I know was taking a second unit so that we could house those leukemia cats that I wanted Mm -hmm. to. And now it's 13 years later and we're still there. And the land that across the street from us, the mosquito control place mm-hmm. they moved out that land is for sale now it's 13 and a half acres there's a pond there it's oh. gorgeous it's fenced it's like my dream property sure. i wouldn't have to go very far i would just have to go across the street you could have ducks oh have my peacock lives there part-time okay but unfortunately i'm sure it's like a million some dollars and then it would be like another million to build so that's after covid hit fundraising has been almost an unexistent right. because where do you house? We used to have an auction every year. There's just no place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the islanders don't want to leave the island mm-hmm. and you need a facility that's big enough to house everybody and mm-hmm. items and things like that. And serves alcohol because let's face it, people don't bid better when they're a little tipsy. Right. Yeah. And the only place that really kind of fit the bill would be like the German American Club, which is where we were having it. And that's as close to the island as I could get. And they're just, they haven't been doing much. So, Mm-mm. yeah, we haven't been able to do it. Aww. Now, when you, uh, not to bring up a painful memory, when you got laid off, did you consider multiple businesses? Or no. did the light just come on that san- this was the time for a sanctuary? I just, it was one of those things where I'm like, if I'm going to, I can just keep go doing the graphic design thing. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't the fact that I wanted to own a business again, because okay. that was like actually the negative the whole part. <laughs> I remember how much work went into it. Mm-hmm. And if I let myself think about that too much, I probably would have chickened out because I really did not want to do all of this all over again. But it was a matter of do I want to just, you know, basically a nine to five soul sucking job for the rest of my life? Or do I want to do something I'm passionate about? And the only thing I could think of at the time that really inspired me was working with animals. And let's face it, when you start a new career, you meet new people, you, you learn new things. So it was a chance for me to start all over again, learn something new, do something different. They say the average person has like three different careers in their lifetime. Yeah. I've had about 20. You know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've never been married. I'm kind of a commitment phobe. I can't even get a tattoo that I, you know, I want to <laughs> commit to. Yeah. So a career for me that is, is more permanent than marriage. <laughs> oh, I know. And so that is like, so that's 
I've never been one of those persons that said, you know, I'm going to have this job and I'm going to retire, you know. No, I've just been kind of like, uh, do what makes me happy at the time. Kind of, I know that sounds really terrible, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. What's the saying? Find something you love and then make it your job. Exactly. Well, the other thing is you believe in yourself. Well, I so you know it's going to work out. Bored very easily. That's the oh, problem. Okay. <laughs> you know, you have to be moving all the time and working uh, all the time and planning and you know, and this it requires so many different facets out of me that I don't have time to be bored. There's always a demand, and just when I think things are going smoothly in an emergency, like this morning, I get a phone call. One of the cats is peeing blood. Okay, got to jump on that right away. And I've learned a lot about veterinary medicine doing mm -hmm. this too, because you can't do something for 13 years without picking up a few tips along the way. Mm -hmm. And right. so I'm like, hmm. I play a game with myself every time I take an animal to the vet. I'm like, let me see if I can guess the diagnosis. And in nine times out of 10, I'll be yeah. like, okay, let me let me guess. This is cystitis or whatever. And, and the vet will be like, very good. You know, it's just a game I play because I like to keep my skills sure. sharp. Now, you mentioned about driving out to Pine Island and finding a rental, and the rent was reasonable. Share with us, if you could, then the process from the commitment from the landlord and then what you all went through to be able to actually open the door and start uh, hosting animals. Well, I did. I kind of, the, the hardest part for me was the 501c3 part, filing that paperwork. But I was very lucky. My accountant helped me out a lot with that. I'm not a numbers girl. I do not like math. So the first thing I did was get myself a very good accountant. And she's been with me. The whole staff over there is wonderful. And, and um, you know, they helped me with all the forms and everything. But our lovely government, apparently you mail these forms in and you wait to hear back. You're supposed to hear within six months or something like that. It, forgive me, my brain's a little fuzzy. It's been 13 years. But I do remember like it was almost, it was like a little over five months. And I'm like, I still hadn't heard anything. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I'm not one of those people that likes to bother people. I'm like, I trust people to do their job and get it done and then they'll get sure. back to me. Well, I hadn't heard anything, and I started to get nervous, and just something made me call and just check. And she's like, oh, you forgot to fill out one question on there. And I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, you're lucky you called, because if you wouldn't have, you would have had to start all over again and refile it and pay another $700 processing fee. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Thank goodness I called, because what if I hadn't? I would have that have been a lot of money to throw out the window just because I missed a question. So I overnighted it, got done, and, you know, so that was wow. probably the biggest nightmare-inducing story of getting it together. But, you know, before we moved in, you know, it was just an empty warehouse. And so I had to find someone to go in, and I wanted to build rooms in there because you cannot just have a one big room with cats. No. no, you have to, they have to have places to go and hide and separate and you have to have different places where different temperaments can be because, let's face it, you've got bullies, you've got meek ones. If anybody that has animals know, you know, not everybody gets along. They're like people. There are some people we just don't like, and we don't know why we don't like them, but we don't, and we don't want to be near them. So we need to be kept separate. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to build that all out, and we had a shelter shower uh, my friends threw me a shower then oh. instead of a baby shower because I never got married or had kids. So they had a shelter shower for me and oh, we had litter box cake. 
Oh, a litter box cake? Okay. <laughs> it was just a good time. And they brought, you know, litter and food and different things like that. And I hadn't intended to open right away, but I had gotten a call from someone about a cat that someone moved away and left in an apartment complex and he had nowhere to go. And his name was Kermit and he was our very first cat. And I brought him in and he was there helping me get things ready. He was just kind of like my buddy. He's a real old kitty. So he lasted about a year before he passed away. And that just ripped my heart out because he was, you know, he was the buddy that helped me get everything started. Yeah, he was the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aww. So about how many months? So you waited about five plus months to make the call to find out about 501C. I mean, like permitting and whatnot. Oh, permitting and stuff was really easy. That okay, was good. just okay. piece of cake, kind of, you know, typical, you know, call this, you know, file the paperwork, send it in, it was done. Okay. Yeah, all that stuff was real relatively easy. And that allowed you to open, you just needed I just the needed the, for the Yeah, that okay. all of that took me like a week or two. Oh, okay. I got yeah. it all done within the first month. It was just building the internal structure the way I wanted and right. setting it up and getting right. litter boxes and catcheries. So then your accountant can tell you what you need to do, you know. Yeah. How to, you know, what to buy, how to, the paperwork you needed well, to supply. Not really, because there really isn't a whole lot. No? It it was just getting the building permitting done. Okay. Um, I didn't have staff, so and I still that made don't. Made it easy. No employees. I don't have payroll. Right. Um, we're still all volunteer, and that's the way. Like, to, I don't even get paid, which really sucks. But I just can't justify taking a salary if these guys need something. Um. So really. After I got all that done, it was just a matter of getting the building set up the way so that we could take in animals that was comfortable for them. And then we read something about Thomas O'Malley, who was an inspiration. Talk a little bit about that. Well, that kitty I told you about when I got laid off from work that showed up at the door was Thomas. Oh, okay. Uh, and he was named after Thomas O'Malley and the Aristocats. And he, uh, he, uh, he had leukemia. And, you know... I just, after I got, even got everything set up at the shelter, he was, I was so attached to him that he ended up staying with me at my house and he lived a wonderful life, but he, you know, the disease eventually took him. Mm -hmm. So I, when I was time to let him go, I got him cremated and I have his ashes in a frame picture of him over my desk at Helping Claws because he was my inspiration. Yeah. He inspired you to do it. Mm -hmm. And he lived about five years more or yeah, with you? I'm trying to remember exactly the date, but um, I think I had him for a total of five or six years. Nice. He had a good life then. Well, it was better than how what they was. were telling you yeah, to do exactly. with him. Yeah. But with, I've learned with leukemia, you just don't know. Um, they can live long, normal lives if they're low in stress, have healthy food, regular vet checkups. Or if the disease is progressed enough, it can take them right away. And it seems like the younger they are when they have the disease, the shorter the life expectancy because their immune systems are so, you know. Mm -hmm. Compromised. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's the word. Well, we had two cats with uh, thyroid problems, and one ended up, what, 23? Or am I yeah, mistaken? she lived to be 23. So They I mean, live forever. Front, you don't know what it's going to mean. And to your point, something a pet can go quickly or they can take a long time. We got to the point, if memory serves, we had a pot rack at the time over an island. And the vet had given us an IV bag. 
and she would hold the cat, and I'd put the needle into the back of the neck. It needed to be hydrated. That was in, what, the last three months of its life yeah. or something like that? But yeah. not to be pessimist, but you hear the diagnosis, and you say, well, we need to get ready because you never... And would she live eight, nine years probably with that diagnosis or something? Crazy, crazy long. And no real treatment, per se. Um, we did have one irradiated because we're, we're not quite as committed as you are, but we're pretty committed to pets. Uh, kind of situation. I had one, I, well, I had one growing up that had, you know, thyroid is one of the major issues. And um, I remember you saw a lot more of it. And I, I remember we had one that we were going to have irradiated, but it turned out he had a heart murmur too. Uh, and we had to drive to Madison to get it done. Sure. And by the time we got there, he went into cardiac arrest. So they were like, no, he's not a candidate for this. They stabilized him, told me to keep him, you know, stress-free as possible. But with my lifestyle, we moved around so much, the stress of always moving ended up taking him out. I remember we moved into a new home, and I thought he was going to be so happy there because there were big windows and big backyard yeah. and all this stuff. And the night we moved in, he had a heart attack and died oh, in my arms. Hey. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, that just soured everything. <laughs> moving is so difficult. I remember we were moving once, and I said, you know, the cats are not going to like... Um, the movers, there'll be open doors and et cetera. They can get out. They're not going to want to be in their carriers. I said, I've got a great plan. I'll take them over to the new house the night before, sleep in a sleeping bag, and then, you know, they'll be safely in that house, come back over, help you with the movers in the morning, and then they'll deliver the furniture in the afternoon. Like Those animals were beside themselves because I didn't think about this till later. So, and long story short, it was a stupid idea. There was none of their or our smells in that brand new home. It was all foreign <laughs> smells. And they, oh, my God, I slept. I did not sleep that night no. because they were so upset about the stress of the move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there weren't as many places to hide and things like that. Or it was all unfamiliar territory. Yeah, I can see that. So you mentioned about 200 uh, intakes or whatever referred to it uh, per year. On average, how many cats are you taking care of at the rescue? And then do you know about how many you're able to adopt back out? Well, you know, things like that are weird because it's all depending upon, like, right now since the hurricane, our adoptions are way, way, we are going to have not nearly as many adoptions this year because people aren't in a position to adopt. Mm -hmm. They don't have houses. And the, now it's starting to pick up a little bit, and the people that are coming in want kittens. So I feel bad for the older cats at the shelter. In fact, I've been telling people who want to surrender their cats to us, try and find a shelter that hasn't in an area that hasn't been affected by the hurricane because it's not fair to bring them to us. They'll just sit here. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're a bad place, but it's more it's more fair for a cat that has a shot of getting a home. Yeah. But you know, we've we keep about 120 cats on average at the shelter. Our max capacity is 200, but I don't like to approach that unless I know I've got enough volunteers and money coming in. Right. So that really hinges a lot on that. Yeah. Cats surprisingly need to eat. They need clean litter. Well, like, and the they, they're, very, they're very picky, too. They want their friskies. That's their favorite. And I try to sneak in the generic every now and again, and I get the look. And the price of Friskies is way through the roof now compared to what it was when I started the shelter. <laughs> and and speaking of, we were talking about diseases and stuff like that. I, I'm seeing a lot more diseases now than I did 
you know, years ago, and they're all weird, like really prevalent. We see a lot of stomatitis, which is when their immune system attacks their teeth. And the only thing they can do for that is full mouth extractions and oh, steroids, no. things like that, different treatments. And oh, no. I mean, we had a, like a one-year-old kitty that had that. She had to have all her teeth pulled out and she's been on, you know, anti-inflammatories and, and antibiotics her whole life. And the only common denominator I can see is the water and the food. And mm-hmm. so to me, I'm thinking it's the additives in the pet food. That's what I'm guessing. And mm-hmm. it goes the same with people. We see yes. lots of disease in people that we haven't seen years ago. And that stuff's in our food too. So I think the average life expectancy for animals is actually down instead of up. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Call it me crazy, but I used to have people come, oh, my cat was 20 when it passed away. And for me, I mean, I'm seeing more and more, you know, that 13, 14, 15 is about the oh. time where they're going. Interesting. Okay. But that's yeah. just on my casual observation. Well, you would know you're with them. And, but I'm also yeah. in a very high-stress environment. That's that's true. But even just judging by people with their own cats, I hear a lot of, my cat's got this, or my cat has kidney failures, like the leading cause of death in cats. Okay. And, you know, there's just a lot of that. And I, I do hospice care at my house. You know, when we ask for fosters and things like that, uh, there's so many different ways, different types of fostering to do. And I feel like I'm too old to do kittens. They just... They need too much for me. They have too much energy. Mm-hmm. So I like the older ones that just kind of want to snuggle and that. Mm-hmm. So I took on the hospice care. And so any of the ones that are very old or have um, any kind of terminal illness get to come live with me because I feel like they should have a home at the end. But, you know, I've got one with one eye right now that has a thyroid and high blood pressure condition, and he gets his medicine twice a day. I mean, different things like that. I yeah, those ones come live with me because the shelter is just not conducive. Right. Yeah. But it's crazy to me just how often, you know, that these weird diseases are popping up and how young these are that, you know, they're they're passing away. I, I assume these people probably, whether they know or not, come in assuming that they're going to get a healthy pet that's going to live for years. So not only age notwithstanding, if in fact, you know, with full disclosure, they're aware that there's an illness that's probably going to turn the person off. I understand I'm not being critical, but that almost says that there is a need for the hospice level care because there's nothing else. That, very few people would go in and pro- that's just my assumption. Right. And a lot of people, very few people want to come in and get an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's face it, you know, we just had two 16 year olds come in, you know, two weeks ago. And one of them is doing fine. He's totally, and normally when we get a cat that age, I cringe because that's high stress for an old cat. And sure enough, the other one, he didn't make it. He he just, he, he just, his stress, I took him into the vet and she's he's crashing. And mm. we've had cases where pets have, cats have lost their owners and they get suicidal. Mm-hmm. They will not eat. They'll turn and face the wall and not look at anybody and just check out. The only thing I can do for a cat in that situation is to get them out of the shelter environment into a foster home where someone is just intently trying to coax them and bring them back. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You cannot underestimate the devotion an animal feels with their owner. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Do you have many foster parents? Um, I have 
that changes. You know, it's, it's seasonal because there are a lot of people that are willing to do it when they're here. And I mean, right now I've got like two kitten fosters and me that are constantly permanently doing this. Everybody else kind of flits in and out as needed and when available. And how about volunteers? You know, it's hard for me to accurately give you a number on that because, again, that's seasonal. Mm -hmm. And I delegated that job as volunteer coordinator. That was just one thing too much on my plate. So I, one of our board members is now volunteer coordinator, oh. and they handle how many. And I'm the night shift. <laughs> but well done by you. I, I you know, I get, you name in a coordinator. Well, that was very smart. Well, you know, there are a lot of jobs that I have to delegate <laughs> because I'm only one person. <laughs> and you would be surprised. After a while, it's like, wow, okay. You know, I didn't realize this was going to be as big of a job as it is. And what kind of things do the volunteers do for you then once they, everything's accepted and, the, and they're able to come and volunteer? You know, I always tell people to bring what they know and love into it. Like, you know, there were, are people that come and they clean and take care of the kitties and play mm -hmm. with them. And there is, we have a photographer that comes every Saturday and does our videos and things like that. And that's something she's passionate about, enjoys doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always tell kids when they come in and they need community service hours, do you like to draw? What do you like to do? What do you, can you bring and offer us to help the kitties? Because it should be something someone's passionate about. Because let's face it, not everybody wants to come in and scoop poop. I was going to say, is anybody passionate about changing the litter box? <laughs> I feel like after doing it for so long that you have to make a game of it. You know, shapes in the clouds, shapes in the litter box. <laughs> you got to do something because otherwise you would scream. <laughs> it's very monotonous. But after the hurricane, um, I wasn't able to get out here because I live in the Cape. And... We only had one volunteer out here at the time that lived out here, and I felt so bad for her having to go out to the shelter every day and take care of them all in the heat with no power, all of that. So what the first thing I did after the hurricane is I invested in litter robots because they have a battery backup system. So I thought in case there's ever this problem again where I can't get to them, and at least I know they have a day or two with clean boxes before... You know, food and water wasn't an issue because I had stacked up all their food up real high and there were tons of food and water. We didn't really have a lot of damage to the building. So when I came in, you know, I after driving through all that devastation and I felt so horrible, I get out to the island and the cats are looking at me like, where were you? We missed dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, you little snots, do not know how lucky you are. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is like, oh my God, how are you? How are the cats? And I'm feeling really guilty because I'm like, well, they're a little upset because they missed a meal. <laughs> <laughs> but they're cats. Yeah, they what don't know do any better. <laughs> oh, so you were fortunate in the building, in the location. Yeah, in fact, we boarded cats for people that evacuated. My only, and I still do that. My only requirement is the cat are, cats are up to date on their shots because, well, rabies is by law, but the distemper, the FBRCP, helps keep them from getting upper respiratory. And in a multi-cat environment, that's a must. Because I don't want someone to you know, bring me their, their cat and go get it back home and it's sick. I, that makes me feel horrible, but the only preventative in that type of environment is to make sure their vaccines are up to date. I mean, they can still get sick, but at least 
you know, we know we've taken precautions. So you're talking about, um, you know, between COVID and the hurricane, you know, adoptions being somewhat down, fundraising being down. Hopefully now with things, you know, coming back closer to a little bit normal, we're on, you know, season is about to approach us. Are you trying to plan any fundraising or things in your mind to do to start to help it? You know, the ideas and stuff like that I have, like we wanted to have a rum and sale and things like that. And a lot of our volunteers are older and nobody wants to take that on. We've all done it. It's it's a nightmare. And so we're, we've always have been looking for little fundraisers, things that are easy to do um, until we can start planning big ones again. And I'm not getting any younger, so I do need some younger blood in there that has the energy to help us with fundraising and stuff. So I'm always on the lookout for people that wanted to help do that. Well, how did you start that one page on Facebook where it's the birthdays of, of you can start your own page to raise money for... I didn't actually do that. That's all over Facebook. People, anybody can choose a charity and and do that. You have quite a few on there. Well, yeah, but you will, if you'll notice a lot of nonprofits, people pick their favorite one and okay. and they pick their favorite charity and that's what they do. And I love it because let's face it, I mean, people get sick of me asking for money all the time. Sure. And I I am in the wrong line work, in all honesty, because I do not like asking for help. I never have. I'm very independent. So for me to ask for something from people, it's like, oh, man, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to bother them. Even when it's time to check out, when it's doing the adoptions, half the time I forget to charge people because I'm so excited they're going home. I don't pay attention to that. You're happy that they're adopting. And and I don't like asking people for money. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I don't think the accountant likes that part. I know. (laughs) No, no, she doesn't. But you've had some interesting, like the one couple, they did the Santa paws and oh, yeah. claws. And... That happened because somebody adopted a beautiful white kitten from a, kitty from us. And I don't know what happened, if it got lost or she let it outside or what. I mean, let's face it, not everybody is going to turn out to be a stellar owner. Well, this woman had found that kitty and tracked us down, and I called the original owner to say, hey, look, we got, we found your cat, and she never returned my calls, and, and I'm like, okay, so she didn't want the cat. I don't know if she let it out or just moved. I don't know what the story is, but this Santa lady, we'll call her that, um, <laughs> she found her, and I told her the story. She goes, well, oh, that's good because I really wanted to keep her. She's wonderful. I love her. And then she said, oh, by the way, my husband and I do Santa Place, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, every year. Would you like to come out and, and do that for you? So like I said before, things have a way of working out yeah, for me. falls in your lap like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, well, who am I? To? And they were the best Mr. and Mrs. Claus I ever met. He was right in character the whole time. He was amazing. <laughs> And well, hopefully they'll do it again. Uh, well, yeah, I'm hoping, but I know that, you know, it was with the hurricane and everything. So I don't know. I mean, he wasn't in the best of health to begin oh, with. Okay. So I don't know how much longer his Santa days are, are going to be. He had very, a lot of back issues. And the lift of kids and pets, that's not an easy thing. That doesn't thing. help. No. 
And you have Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, that um, fundraisers, didn't you? That was uh, that was the funny because there was kind of like a, a debate between the the lovey doveys I called them and the and the lonely hearts because half of the volunteers wanted to do let's sell jewelry and let's do what and then there's me let's put your ex's name in the litter box because I always <laughs> go for the funny dark humor <gasps> that's just me. Do you, you did that? Yeah, I did, but um, <laughs> in all fairness, I only came up. You know, I decided to do it like the night before Valentine's Day. So there really wasn't much time to lead up to it or anything. Mm -hmm. But we did have a few takers and we did put their names in the bottom of the litter box. <laughs> Let the cats be on them. So there you go. But it wasn't limited to exes. We said Hurricane Ian was the big prevalent in the bottom of the box. And mm -hmm. people had said cancer and different things like that. So. Well, people listening to you on the podcast, um, to let them know about the donations, there's a great big donate now button on your website. I am faithful with that. Yes, that <laughs> one works well. It has PayPal or credit card, which yeah. is phenomenal. And it's tax deductible Absolutely. because of your status. And then, they, or they can drop by with a check or mail of a check. Course, or... Yes. I mean, I never say no to any sort of thing, but. You know, again, like I like I said, I'm horrible at asking for things. And I do notice that a lot of people don't like to give money. Money is, in all honesty, the most helpful thing because we have a lot of vet bills. But for the people that don't like to give money, Frisky's Canned Cat Food is the number one need on our list because oh, Sam's Club limits me to five cases at a time. And I think I go through a case a night of food. So yeah, and and it's it get it's gets well, to be a lot. Money on average, right? So mm -hmm. I mean that's right. So it's Frisky's canned cat food. Yes. Okay. As far as dry food goes, we usually get ours from Costco because I'd like to stay away from. I'm not a big fan of corn and pet food. It's just yeah. what they you know, and a lot of the stuff with the colors and the dyes and it makes them throw up or have diarrhea. So try to stay away from that as much as possible. So I use the Costco brand and it's a chicken and rice formula. It's pretty mm -hmm. healthy and it's cheap. So we just tend to buy that. And, but the canned cat food, I mean, the prices have went up on that and they go through so much of it. That is a huge help. It's the biggest one. I would ask for litter, but a lot of people don't like to lift it and carry it and bring it, which, so I get that. It's heavy. They have a light version they now. They do. It's, of course, it's way more expensive. Way more expensive, sure. But, but yeah. you have a list on your website, too. I was going to say other kinds of supplies. Yeah. Cleaning. What are, what are other kinds of supplies beyond litter? Cleaning supplies, trash okay. bag, paper towels. We have a cat right now. His name is Arthur that likes to unroll all the toilet paper and the paper <laughs> towels of when course. he's bored. So, yeah, that's a huge thing for us. You like the little mice toys. Oh, yes. They love those. Um, any kind of, you know, it's so funny, it's random, but someone left a cat tree. I think if you watch our video, I saw the tree. Someone left that. I, it was in a box outside the door. I'm like, ooh, what do we get? I, I got never a, heard of I, a cat tree. Oh, it was really cool. Of course, I had so much help putting it together. Every cat in the building was like, ooh, leaves and a box and little moving things. And I'm going, oh man, I'm going to be missing parts, but let's go for it. And we did. And I would have thought being that there's like AstroTurf on the bottom and leaves and and all this stuff, I would have thought for sure I'd have someone peeing on it or them eating the leaves off of it. They have taken such good care of this tree. I'm so proud of them. They lay in and look out the window at the peacock that comes. and So they leave it alone? They love that tree. 
and someone else left. I showed up the other day and there were two, the best I can describe them as donuts. And they look like they're made out of like wool, wool or felt or something and they're round and it's, they're hollow. So a cat can go inside the donut or, you know, go in there or they can lay on top of it. My God, those are awesome. Those, I, I have never seen that either one of them not occupied. Someone is always using those things. So of course, all the volunteers are like, where can we get one? We want one now for at home for our cats. Of course, I researched them. They're like $50, but now I just oh. found them for $17 on Amazon. So of course I had to order that right away right. for my, you know, the seniors at my house. But well, you have a wish list on Amazon, I saw too. I do, I do. And of course, now that they don't have um, Amazon Smile anymore, they took that away, which is really heartbreaking. But um, they have, every time I, you know, it's so frustrating technology. They always change everything just when mm -hmm. you get comfortable. <laughs> so now they have some kind of charity list. And so I'm pretty sure I'm up to date and accurate on that. But every time I turn around, they're changing everything. So I always tell people, if I don't, if I don't have it right, let me know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that essentially, I mean, it's the basics. As fun as it is to get neat things like toys and trees and all that stuff, we really need the basics, which is yeah. mainly friskies. And people can leave things. Absolutely. Right there. I mean, even when you're close. Yes, we have. I mean, we did that when our last cat died. We, you know. we had an Eagle Scout that built us donation bins out front. Okay. It's really nice, except the weather has taken its toll on them. So they're a little creaky and we probably need to get new ones built at some point. But but they're out there and they work. So. So that's a good segue into the basics. So if people want to come get a cat or donate or whatever, where are you located and what are your hours of operation? Well, we are located in the industrial park, um, which is kind of just a block north of Winn-Dixie. So it's um, on Mallory Parkway, but it's really facing Doug Taylor Circle. So if you're familiar mm -hmm. at all with the industrial park. Yeah, you see it from Doug Taylor when you're yeah. driving around. I purposely don't have a lot of signage just so people don't dump their cats on oh, me. Oh, we did have someone dump a dog on us one <gasps> time. And we have a cage out behind the building because, you know, the cats can go outside and get fresh air that way. Well, unbeknownst to me, someone put their dog in it. And Aww. I never would, I wasn't planning on, you know, letting the cats out that day. It was kind of rainy. And unbeknownst to me, I, I'm i hearing this barking and barking. And I thought maybe there was a dog loose. I didn't think anything. An hour later, I'm still hearing this barking. I'm like, what's going on? I went outside the back door. Here, there was a dog in our cage. Oh, no. And unfortunately, I mean, what am I going to do with it? I, I felt heartbroken, but I had to call Lee County and have it picked up and you know, I feel terrible because they're a kill shelter and everything, but they are the best place because they're the location to, for people who've lost their animals to find their pets. Sure. And it was a beautiful, wonderful dog. It was young and, and I think had a lot of energy and maybe couldn't owners couldn't keep up with it. I don't That's know. sad. I hated doing it, but but even the officer that showed up said, oh, don't worry, this one will go in a heartbeat. So I felt better about it. But well, yeah. if they want to adopt, they can call you and make an appointment or go there. Five to seven every day, except for Mondays and Wednesdays. Yes. And they're five days a week. Yeah. Just five to seven is perfect. It's after work. Yeah. I have the cor market cornered on the after work crowd. <laughs> uh, there are volunteers there during the day cleaning. Uh, usually in the mornings, but they're busy and we have their mop buckets out and stuff like yeah, that. You so don't they don't really have time to, I mean, not only that, I've learned the hard way over the years. Let's face it, cats poop. 
poop stinks. Mm-hmm. People that come in, a lot of people, some people have sensitive nose. They come in, they go, oh, that stinks. Well, what's the first thing they do? They run around, around and leave a bad review. Oh, it stinks at Helping Paws. Well, yeah, that's because the litter boxes weren't cleaned yet. You cleaned, but came before we were open. So that's yeah. why I tend to not let people in them until, you know. Until five. Yeah. And even then, when you have 120 cats in a building, <laughs> there's going to be some odor no matter how oh, yeah, hard yeah, you yeah. try. Granted, you know, we do our best and everything. I would not say it stinks in there, but there are people that have sensitive noses. Yeah. But you don't go to a farm and complain about the smell of the fertilizer. You, know? you smell cows in Wisconsin. It would be very anti-Wisconsin. Yeah. Anti-Wisconsin. Are you no. still doing the special with if you adopt a cat, you get one free? Always. Seriously. And that never expires. So six years from now, you come in and you want your free cat. And I've been known to thir- show, throw in a third cat, too, if 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 there's a, a, a family that, yeah, that because. And then you offer free kenneling and free boarding nail, and nail free trimming. Nail is that special that you're doing well, that for it's people? All selfish on my part. I get attached to them when they live at the oh. shelter. This way, I get to see them from time to time. So, yeah, I have ulterior motives. I'm not going to be complete. Complete. It's not completely altruistic on my part. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, thank you. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you might want to say or? Uh, to be honest with you, we, you guys have been. I think we covered a lot. We do. I talk too much. I know. No, no, no. It's it's your passion, <laughs> and everybody got to hear that. And I hope people listen and they donate Frisky's Can Cat That's Food Number right One. Now, yes. And they donate time, yeah. and they adopt a cat. That's so also a biggie. I hope. And it's the holiday season. It's starting. Yeah, we do. Things do tend to pick up. And you can look for our wind tree up at Winn-Dixie because we do the angel tree there every year with oh. the ornaments, with the, what they want for Christmas on the back. And you can deliver the presents to them or you can just leave it in the in the basket at Winn-Dixie. That's a great thing for you to do. The whole month of December, they are so spoiled. It's a great time to be a cat by us. Yeah. Come yeah. January 1st, the cat, the doorbell rings and the cats look like, <laughs> what'd you bring me? <laughs> We're so spoiled. And then there's nothing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We enjoyed spending time with you. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.